boom there it is ladies and gents we're coming from the sears first live classroom say what's up ladies and gents yeah all right let's do this thing wholesale real estate if you don't know what that is then this episode's for you here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Plus. All right, ladies and gents, here we go. Did you know you could buy and sell real estate without a license? Okay, you can't represent clients, but that doesn't mean you can't find yourself some seller who needs to sell. Today's guest has been helping motivated sellers quickly get cash for their, home, for their homes. As we enter this new real estate market, we need to learn about some strategies that investors can capitalize from. And I'm excited to hear about those strategies and tactics and how we can implement them to make a profit. So let's talk wholesale real estate with Mr. Eric Lucas. All right, Eric, welcome to the program, man. How you doing today? Good morning. Good to be on. How are you? Excellent, dude. All right. I got a question because when I told the students what the uh, topic was for today, the number one question that came in was, what's wholesale real estate? Well, wholesale real estate is really the ability to buy and sell real estate with no license and also none of your own money. So uh, we can kind of get more into it, but basically it's the art of finding a motivated seller and wrapping up that property with a contract and then assigning the contract to another investor for a fee or a markup. Right, let's talk about how you got into this space. So, okay, a little background. So we got a lot of 17-year-old kids um, probably questioning what their future is going to be like. They're going to graduate here in June, and sometimes they just don't really know what that next step is. What was your education level, and where have you come since then? Yeah, so I didn't know I was going to have a live audience today, but it actually is really fitting because it was actually high school when I decided that I really wanted to do real estate. So. Um, I flip cars as well, but real estate is really how I get most of my income. And really, it came down to the fact that, you know, um, I decided that I was going to go to college, but my heart really wasn't into it. So um, I did go to Arizona State. I did finish college. But the entire time, uh, I was actually cutting class to learn more about real estate. Um, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a freshman, and that really kind of changed my perspective on things. And also kind of, you know, I guess affirm that I wasn't going crazy because I had some ideas about money uh, and business that were a little bit maybe um, out of left field or so I thought. A lot of my other friends and parents didn't really think that way. Um, but when, you know, Robert Kibasaki talked in the book about assets and liabilities, um, I said, wow, this actually is kind of along the line of what I've been thinking. I guess I was on the right track. So you went to college, but did you use some of that skills or like what skills do you need or what education level do you need to start in the real estate space as a wholesaler? You don't need college at all. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the most successful people I know in this business didn't go to college. Um, I don't regret my time in college, but 
Um, you know, it's really interesting because when I started college, it was 2002 and the real estate market in Phoenix boomed from 2002 through 2007. So I actually saw a lot of my friends, you know, get into real estate and get rich that didn't go to college. And by the time I graduated, it was really a different market. So um, I was kind of like, well, what do I do now? You know, now my friends that got rich in real estate that didn't go to, to college are now kind of losing money, losing their homes. Is it too late to get into real estate? But um, I still was able to get into real estate. I actually joined a real estate investment firm um, and uh, got into short sales. And I, I kind of thought short sales were going to take off, but I didn't know they were going to take off the way they did. And obviously it was a great, it was a great decision because from 2008, when I really kind of first got into it full time through 2013, it was, it was quite a ride. All right. Before we start talking about the waves and the markets, let's talk about what you actually do. What it's, walk me through a process, a deal, perhaps uh, hypothetical, but something that kind of relates. So these guys can understand like what it takes to get into a deal and how much money can I make out of a deal? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my wife and I, we split our time between Phoenix and San Diego. Um, I buy in Phoenix and San Diego. And really actually how I get most of my deals nowadays is actually through realtors. So I network with real estate agents and I let them know, hey, if you've got a property that needs a lot of work, uh, a property that has a desperate seller, um, a property that maybe was you know inherited and it just can't go on the MLS or the homeowner doesn't want to market it or really the, the key buzzword is, do they want a quick cash sale? Reach out to me. You can double end my purchase, right? And then you can also relist the finished product when I'm done with the remodel. So um, that's really kind of what I've been doing since 2017. Um, and it works really well because it creates a win-win-win for everybody, right? The agent is able to take a difficult uh, deal that they have and double or triple their commission. The homeowner or homeowners, um, if it was an inheritance, obviously, they get a quick cash sale for the property. They don't have to make any repairs. They don't have to have any headaches. And uh, me and my team, we get a ugly property that we can make pretty and then flip. All right. Well, let's talk about the 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 money aspect of it. So I'm sure they're like, if I'm if I'm getting into this space and I'm reaching out to prospective buyers with ugly houses, essentially, right? Um, and I say, I'm going to buy your house all cash. That would scare the crap out of me if I don't know what am I supposed to offer? How am I supposed to relate? Like, you know, where am I going to make my money? How do I, how do me, the investor who's actually trying to secure this deal, how do I make money on it? Yeah. So really kind of like everything in life, you make money when you buy. Right. Um, so for me, um, you know, as a, a fix and flip guy, um, you know, talking to agents, I, I like dealing with agents because it kind of takes out, I, I'm better at business to business sales than business to consumer. So when I talk with an agent and I present what we can do for them and their client, they get to sell it to that consumer. And a lot of them are better at it than I am. Um, however, on the wholesale aspect, right, especially because we've got a bunch of uh, kids right now, right out there, maybe thinking, how can I get into it? If you're really good at dealing with people and you want to wholesale deals to people like me, um, really, it's just a matter of getting in front of a motivated homeowner um, and then finding out kind of what what they want. Right. And then offering them a solution. Um, and, on you know, if you want to get into wholesaling, you basically approach a, a motivated homeowner and say, hey, um, I can offer you, you know, four hundred thousand for your property. 
um, you wrap it up with the contract and then you come to a guy like me and say, hey, I got this property under contract for 400,000. Needs a lot of work, but it's probably worth 600,000 if you make it pretty and invest 80 grand or so. Um, can you pay 425 for it? And a lot of times on a deal like that, we'll say, yeah, sure we can. So you wrap it up for 400, you assign the contract to me for 425, you make 25 grand easy like that. And uh, I get a nice project. So it's a win, win, win. So me as the bird dog, the guy out there looking for the deal, I don't actually have to come out of pocket. I don't need to have good credit. I don't need to even have any money to do this sort of stuff. Is that what you're saying? You got it. Yep. And uh, it sounds kind of crazy, but it works. It works really well. And there's a lot of people that do it. There are some guys that only do one or two a year. Uh, there are some guys that do, you know, three or four a month. Um, but when these deals pop up, they can pay and they can pay really big. So that's amazing. Okay. So what am I looking for? Uh, literally today, these kids are starting an independent living section. They don't know it yet, but we're going to be hopping on Zillow, looking at different properties. Uh, what should I be looking for? If I'm thinking about going in the wholesale business, does Zillow give me an opportunity to find wholesale properties or like, where do I find these things? Yeah. So, um, you know, Zillow is actually not that bad. A lot of realtors talk smack about Zillow, but their valuations um, are fairly accurate as far as what the retail is. However, I wouldn't use Zillow to find deals because once it goes live on the market, once it goes live on Zillow, it's too late. There's too many eyes on that property. Um, the, the, my first real estate mentor ever told me that if he wanted a deal to feed his family, he would go to neighborhoods and he would knock doors and just try to meet people. So he would go to a neighborhood maybe that has a lot of, uh, you know, rundown properties, abandoned properties, knock on the doors. And if no one opens those doors, you go to your neighbor and you say, hey, that property is all boarded up. What's the situation with that? And a lot of times people in the neighborhood are going to know, oh, yeah, that's, you know, Mary and James. They just inherited the property. They don't know what to do with it. They told me to actually watch out for that property. I have their cell phone. Um, I can give you their number. So um, that is the best way to find these deals because not anybody really knows it's a deal yet. Um, it's, it is, can be kind of hard to find those deals. But again, uh, the reason why they can pay so much is because nobody wants to do it. Um, I've got an agent that all he does is door knock and he gets one or two deals a month and it's a really good living. Um, but there's a lot of agents that will knock a few doors and then they'll stop because it's it's tough work. It, it can even be dangerous. I mean, I had a buddy of mine who's been shot at. You know, I've had a buddy that was actually chased by a homeowner with nunchucks. I'm not even kidding. That's like Ninja <laughs> Turtle stuff, right? But really, he was chased with, by a crazy homeowner who came out chasing him, swinging nunchucks around. So, um, you know, it, it's not for everybody. But if you put in the work and, uh, you know, you're 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 fearless. Uh, that's the best way to find deals. Hey man, a 25 grand a pop. I mean, I guess, I guess a nunchuck to the head ain't too bad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's talk about, uh, more realistic numbers. Like you always hear in prospecting, it's like, I got to make a hundred calls to get three prospects to get one deal. Uh, and you're talking about door knocking, like realistically, because it sounds so easy to find a deal put it under contract, assign it over to somebody else, and I get paid. It sounds like a great deal, but when it comes to that prospecting time, what are the habits that one needs to get into in order to successfully find some of these deals? Consistency is the key. You know, Find what you're good at, and then just you got to do it over and over and over again. 
Um, you know, for me, it took me uh, when I was wholesaling, you know, in, in college, right? It took me a year to find my first deal. Um, and then, you know, then I, so it can take a while to build up and you make some mistakes around the way, right? Um, like probably initially I was, I was trying to knock the higher end doors in the higher end neighborhoods. There's not as much distress there as there is maybe in some of the more blue collar areas, you know, you want to go to an area where you see some boarded up homes. You want to see some area where you see a lot of vacant homes. So, um, that's one thing to consider, but, um, you know, the other thing is maybe you're not good at door knocking, right? I, I have another buddy of mine. All he does is he sends letters to people. So he'll try to find, uh, you know, people that are in foreclosure or he'll just even target, you know, a neighborhood and say, well, I know there's some sellers here and he'll spend, you know, a ton of money on mass mailers out to, out to homeowners. Um, but he gets again, a, a few deals a month that way. So um, maybe if you're not as, as outgoing, not as fearless, um, but you're better at maybe analyzing data um, or you're really good at writing letters, uh, that, that's another way to get deals is mailing, you know, mass mailers. They still work, believe it or not. So we got a Facebook question. Seems like a huge challenge to find those kinds of deals. How many deals do you see across your desk per month? Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. The last two years have been the hardest years my whole time in real estate. And that includes when, you know, I was trying to make sense of what to do when, when the market crashed. So in a really hot market, it can be even harder to find these deals because there's less motivated sellers or the sellers know, Hey, look, the market's so hot. I can just list this and get 15 offers. So, um, it is true. And, and a lot of the guys, the last two years, the last year in particular that would get a deal a month, maybe they only got four deals last year. But when you found them, they, they paid even more, um, you know, supply demand. Um, I think the market that we're heading into now is the market adjusts. I, I do think it's going to be worse than a lot of people think. And that's going to create opportunity, though. So you're right. It's not easy to find these deals. But if you're consistent with it, they're going to pop up. And, um, you know, worst case, it's a tough market. Well, then you're just going to make more per deal. So Miguel's saying, uh, what type of markets are there in real estate and which ones are the most benefiting? So you kind of hinted on those as we're entering. I mean, literally, we just crossed 7% interest uh, on, on a 30-year jumbo loan, on a 30-year fixed mortgage. So to have interest rates jump up that high, you're right. It's going to adjust. There's going to be some changing. So what's better, that seller's market we were just in or probably the buyer's market we're shifting into? Um, I, I definitely think if you're new to real estate, it, a buyer's market is going to be way better, right? It, it's always harder to make money in, in a seller's market when there's less motivated, uh, motivated sellers. Um, but the fact that we're going to be coming into a buyer's market means, again, a lot of opportunity, especially if you're new, because it's kind of easier to make that sale, get that first deal and start to fly. What is a motivated seller. I mean, we, we say it, I mean, you and I, we were in the real estate business for a long time. We kind of easily understand what a motivated seller is, but for somebody who's never been in real estate, what's the difference between a motivated seller and a traditional seller? Uh, typically it, it's some pain points, right? Um, so a lot of times it's a distressed situation. Maybe the seller loses their job, um, or they need to move very quickly. Um, Anything that can create motivation. Another one we see a lot is inheritance, right? So, um, you know, think of it this way. Let's say you inherit, inherit a property, right, with your three siblings. And 
if you list the property as is on the MLS, you can maybe get 500,000 for that property. But an investor offers you 400,000. If you're just one person inheriting that property, leaving 100 grand on the table, uh, that's a, that's tough to do, right? You really don't want to leave that much money on the table. But if you're inheriting a property with, you know, three other people, well, that $100,000 difference is only 25 grand a piece, which is still significant, but it's a lot less than a hundred grand. So a lot of the times the, the, the sellers, especially if there's, there's fighting in the family, they'll say, you know what? I just want this headache over with. I just want my money. Cash me out. Give me my money. I'm not going to fight for an extra 25 grand uh, when I can, you know, cash out now and just get rid of this headache and stop fighting with my family members. What about, uh, what about like some of the risks and hurdles that you've had in this business? So like you got started and you had a couple mentors. What are some of the things that you had to overcome personally to be successful in this kind of work? Uh, well, you know, again, the funny thing is when, when I, I started in college, right? I started cutting class to go to, you know, seminars or a meetup. Uh, that's also time away from partying, right? I mean, come on. I went to Arizona State University, right? You know, you, you learn how to party there. So, um, you know, additionally, too, I, I had some other side hustles in, in college as, as well as, you know, trying to find my first wholesale deal. So, um, you know, balancing that with a social life, I didn't have much of a social life my first two, three years in college, honestly, because I was trying to get this off the ground and going. Um, and then even when the market, uh, you know, in, in, when I really got into it full time, 2007, 2008, 2009, I mean, there were some days where I would get up at five in the morning and I wouldn't leave the office until nine o'clock at night. You know, I would go to the gym at 1030 and, uh, you know, next day do it all over again. So I didn't have much of a social life then, too. But let me tell you, those two years in 08 and 09, the, the worst years of the market, that really, really set me up, um, quite frankly, for, you know, it, it set me up well. So does it require sacrifice? Sure, it does. Is it worth it? Yeah. And honestly, when you're when you're in it and you're you're running it like that you kind of don't miss the things that you're missing because you're so happy. So, you know, you see what's going on and you realize that, you know, the come up's the most fun. Let me tell you, even if you're tired as hell. <laughs> All right. Most, uh, most college students end up uh, eating top ramen, like throughout their four years of college, they struggle, they can't uh, afford to, you know, too much month at the end of their money, essentially. What was it like for you having this sort of job versus your buddies who had that job as a bartender or working some of those fast food joints? Um, I, I mean, again, that was one of the things is I, I saw what else was was the other options that I had. So, you know, um, you know, so this it was worth it. You know, obviously you you make some sacrifices. Right. Uh, but um, to I, I kind of. I kind of was, you know, uh, I finished college in style uh, compared to to a lot of my friends, right? Because I had some extra spending cash. So, um, you know, if you if you put in the work, you make some sacrifices, but it can really put you ahead. Um, and, you know, I don't regret it for a minute. So. Are you looking for team members? Uh, you started off in this space and you had a mentor, for example, somebody who came in and kind of showed you the ropes, what to do, what not to do. Uh, at this point in your career, I'm imagining you're building a team around you to help facilitate more of these deals to come in the door. Um, are you looking to expand? Where are you at today in your business and where, what does tomorrow look like for you? No, I absolutely am. So, you know, it's kind of we talked on earlier, um, you know, while I started doing some wholesale deals early in my career, 
I don't, I don't do wholesale deals at all uh, now, basically, just because I've got that, I, I built up the relationships with realtors and other wholesalers to get deals from. So, you know, for everybody out there that's maybe looking to get into real estate that wants to wholesale deals and you're wondering, well, who can I sell it to? You can sell it to me. So, so yeah, absolutely. Everybody out there that's watching, if you want to get into real estate and you find a wholesale deal, you've already got a potential buyer for that deal in me. And, um, you know, I don't know, we can talk about that more later, but, you know, if, if you've got some people watching that get really motivated, they want to go out there and find some deals. Uh, maybe there is room for, for me to talk to them, train them, maybe even go door knocking with them, right? <laughs> Show them what can happen. Maybe we'll have some adventures, but, um, but absolutely. And there's going to be opportunity ahead for, for deals. So um, everyone that doesn't want to door knock, you know what? You're going to lose those deals to the people that do. So. so that's one of the skills. And they said, what would, be, what would you tell students in the Business Bros classroom are the top three skills they should learn in order to become a real estate investor? Um, tough to say, cause there, there's a lot of investors out there that are, are good at different things. Right. I mean, I, you've got some, some people that are really good at sales. They're like, you know, the Jordan Belfort, Grant Cardone type guys. Um, I don't really respond to that personality, but a lot of people do. And those maybe kind of pushier sales guys, they can really, really get deals. Um, yet I also know a few people um, that are just kind of like golden retrievers, right? You meet them and you can't help but like them. And they're really service oriented uh, and have that, um, I guess, servant mindset, you could say. They really go above and beyond for their clients. And because they build that bond with their client, the client trusts them and they can, you know, and they can get deals that way. So I guess learning how to sell, but more importantly, learning how you sell, right? Are you... You know, are you kind of a, a pit bull, uh, you know, hardcore sales guy like Grant Cardone? Are you a more golden retriever salesperson? Like, you know, I don't know, like like some, I'm sure you can, you know, think of somebody like that. Um, that that's how you've got to, to, I guess, kind of figure out which salesperson you are, embrace that, and then perfect that type of sales method to get deals. Uh, so that's one, obviously, is is learning who you are and learning how to sell who you are. Uh, two, really just learning how to offer solutions to homeowners. And then three um, is analyzing the market, right? Learning how to run numbers, analyze properties. Um, that is an underrated skill because if you can learn how to do that quickly, then you can avoid wasting your time on dead ends and focus on the good opportunities. Yeah. And I agree. Uh, that was sales dogs. If you want to know a description of a bunch of different types of salespeople, that's a great read for that one. All right. We are in October. So trick or treat, right? Sometimes you get a trick, sometimes you get a treat. And so we got a question. What are some things you should look out for when doing a deal? I don't want to pop into a deal and then get a trick when I'm really looking for a treat at the end of the day. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's the, the third thing that, that it takes to be good at, at real estate is learning what to look for in a property and, and what, you know, repairs a property needs. So um, I guess I kind of take that for granted. I've been doing it so long, but I can, you know, walk into a property within five minutes. I can say, is this a $40,000 rehab or is this a $200,000 rehab? So, um, you know, I guess when you get that first deal, that can be really difficult, right? Is, is how to budget for repairs and, and what, what even needs to be repaired. Is the roof good? Is the roof bad? Is there a plumbing issue? Is there a foundation issue? Um, you know, I would say if it's your first deal, just wrap it up for the best price that you can, as long as you're buying it for, 
you know, it used to be if you get it for 70 to 75% of ARV, you could assign it for 75 to 80 and be good. We're, as the market adjusts, you probably need to be closer to 65 to 70% of ARV. Um, but, um, you know, you're going to learn as you go along. Worst case, if you wrap up a property too high, you can go back to the seller and say, hey, look, uh, I wrapped up this property. You know, I, I gave you an offer of 400000 I didn't realize it's got a crack in the foundation. That's a huge bill. Uh, can we renegotiate? Um, and I, I don't like to do that. I try to avoid that. Um, but if you have to do that, that's always an option. So don't be scared to make that offer and, and then maybe kind of wing it a little bit on your first deal just to try to make it happen. Uh, and if you're wrong, you can negotiate. Worst case, you're going to lose the deal, which is what happens if you don't make that offer in the first place. So. That's absolutely true. You don't make an offer. You don't get a deal, period. So if you already have the deal in place, at least you can negotiate for there. By the way, ARV is after repair value. So as a wholesaler, you're picking up the property in its current condition. It's ugly. So you're flipping it to an investor and you're saying this is what the value is going to be after you do so said repairs. And that's what that's what Eric's talking about right here is, is evaluating the property, whether it's going to be $40,000 worth of repair or 60 or 80, 100, 200,000, whatever it's going to be. So ARV, sometimes we got to, you know, those acronyms are normal for our industry, but we got to, we got to lay them out there. All right, Eric, um, tell me a little bit real quick. What was your story like? So you started off as a wholesaler. When did you become an investor? Um, well, I, I guess I would say in 2007, uh, 2008, right. When I actually got out of school and got my first official job at that real estate investment firm. Uh, that's really when my my life changed. Um, and uh, that's when I really became a full time investor. No other side hustles. Um, I actually had an eBay business. I, I basically just scrapped that because I was too busy in, in real estate. Um, so, yeah, 2007, 2008, my first full year out of college. That's when that's when I became a full time investor, you could say. And what, what did it take to be a full-time investor? Because I'd imagine you just didn't bank a bunch of money and then all of a sudden you had millions of dollars to invest. Where does the money come from? No, it, it was a huge risk. I mean, you know, so um, I, I kind of talked about how I, I, you know, went to college in style. Well, the recession was starting to really creep up at the end of it, right? So, you know, a few of my side hustles had gone away. Um, and by the time, you know, I was at my school finished up. I'm like, man, I need to find actually a full-time job because some of this other stuff I'm doing is drying up. Um, and uh, I actually got a job at a, a car dealership initially, right? Because I'm like, well, the real estate market's done. Um, but I, I found that opportunity with a, with a, you know, with the real estate investment firm to join, but it was a big risk, right? Because what I actually did is I knew I was going to go a few months without money. The guy said, look, that owned the firm. He's like, it's going to be two to three months before your first short sale closes and you get paid. So I had a car that I absolutely loved. Those of you that love cars, I had a, a BMW E30 with an M50 conversion that I did myself uh, along with some other stuff. I sold that car. Uh, that was my toy. I hated to do it, but I, I needed to fund my business. Um, I had an IRA that I had been funding in, in school. I cashed up my IRA. Um, I went two full months without an income and it was stressful. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I believe in this opportunity. You know, I, I got to try to make it work. And uh, sure enough, about two months, almost exactly two months, deal number one closed. And it was the biggest check I'd ever seen. Then deal number two closed and it was an even bigger check. And then big uh, deal number three closed and the check was even larger. So, um, you know, it was the right opportunity. It was the right opportunity. 
But um, yeah, do you do you have to have some long nights? Sure you do. Do you maybe have to sell a few toys, cash out your savings? You know, it's risky, but sometimes you got to take a risk to make it happen. Hey, man, life's a risk, and we're not all going to make it out alive, unfortunately. I got one more question for you. Is it easy? Well, it's a double. Is it easy to manage real estate? Can I do real estate and have something else uh, on the side at the same time? Uh, yeah, you kind of can. I mean, again, that's what I did. That's what I did in, in college, right? I, I, was, I was doing college, obviously, full-time. I was flipping cars. I had my eBay business. Um, and then I also had a job at a, a hotel. Um, as a valet, that's another story, but I, I was making more money than a valet ever should have, but yeah. only because the mortgage brokers and realtors were coming in and throwing me, you know, 20 bucks per Lambo or Ferrari. It was a fun job, but, um, anyway, um, you know, yeah, but at the same time, you know, um, you only, I only did a few wholesale deals right through, through, through college. Um, it, it wasn't really until I focused on it full time that it took off. So. That's kind of one of my beef with a lot of seminars, right? I mean, um, you know, I think a lot of people get introduced to real estate through seminars, so I don't want to knock them completely. But a lot of the seminars say, oh, you can do this part time, blah, blah, blah. It's tough. Maybe, maybe you can. I mean, but a lot of people, I don't think you can. I think you really kind of got to got to do it. You got to jump into it, um, you know, and um, if, if you you know, if you really want to get started in real estate, but you don't want to drop the money on a seminar, um, do what I did. Find an investment firm that you can work for and say, hey, look, I'll work for you. And if you can't find an investment firm that that, you know, is going to hire you for free, right, on a commission only thing, then, you know, I don't know that, you know, I, I would be worried about dropping money on a seminar if I couldn't, if I couldn't find an investment firm to hire me for free uh, and, and, you know, um, and, and try to earn money that way first and get my first deal that way. Cause you're going to have better support and uh, you're going to learn a lot faster. Just my, the opinion. mentors. Yeah. The mentors are out there. They're waiting and willing and ready to put you to work. Cause that's how they make money as well. Uh, Lucas, thank, or Eric, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, if anybody wants to work with you, reach out to you, send you a deal. How can they do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, shoot me, shoot me an email. Um, best email is going to be Eric T Lucas at gmail.com. That is E R I C T like Tyler Lucas is actually spelled L U K A S at gmail.com. Uh, shoot me an email and, uh, let's talk and maybe we can do something. Perfect, man. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, give him a round of applause. There it is, my brother. Yeah, man. Very useful information. I'm sure these kids are like ready and willing. Now we're going to jump on some Zillow, look at some stuff with a new found perspective. Thanks to you, my friend. So thank you very much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. Shut up and sit down. Look, it's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbro.